Gilbo, how's it going, indie wrestling fans? Welcome to Indie Handshake. I am your host, Jesus Cruz, and today I am joined by one half or one third or one fourth of the Snot Brothers, Seymour Snot. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. I met you back in uh, 2000 uh, when I was working with All Pro Wrestling doing their video, and uh, you were already, by 2000, you'd already been there for a little bit, right? Yeah, I actually, I uh, moved into the APW boot camp around like the summer of 98, so... Okay. And then my class really didn't start till like January of 99. So I kind of had a head start. Okay. Well, we'll start this off by a generic question and how, how you got into wrestling. And more importantly, how did you find indie wrestling in your area? It was really tough because I grew up in Pennsylvania and it was, um, you know, not to age myself, but it was the 80s. And so everybody just watched whatever was on cable television, you know, WWF, AWA, World Class, NWA. And so I just was a huge wrestling fan as a kid. And one of my friends that I'm still uh, tight with today, I mean, he got me into wrestling. And that's that was like our huge thing that we had in common. Like we had our own little promotion with the action figures and the dolls and stuff. Right. And we were just like really into uh, going to the live shows and stuff like that. So uh, I just liked wrestling ever since I was probably about 11 years old. And, and it was like, uh, you know, just to go to the events and that, it was like, wow, this is great. You know, I can't believe we're going to this. And, and uh, a few days ago, it was funny. I found like an old ticket from like 1990 when I went to a WWF house show. So I was like, oh, wow, oh, wow. this is like almost like uh, 31 years ago I went to this. So um, I was just a huge wrestling fan as a kid. So and the way I found APW was um, I actually bought a book on how to get into wrestling. And it was written by uh, Paul Bear and uh, someone named Dennis Brent, who was a magazine editor. And he did fanzines for like uh, world class and Bill Watts and stuff like that. And they wrote this book and they had all these wrestling school addresses and stuff. And I was writing to them because at the time I was actually in the air force and this is still like pre-internet days. So it's like mm -hmm. not everything was out there. And I just went online or I just uh, started sending letters and stuff like that. So around like 1995, I got a letter from or a package actually from Roland. And it was like, hey, you know, we got this school up in Hayward, California and everything. And I was looking at it and it was back in the mid 90s when guys like uh, it was like Mike Modest, Mike Diamond, who'd later become Max Justice. There was mm -hmm. Joe Applebomber, and uh, they had Matt Heisen there. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, these guys look pretty big. And um, I actually went up in 96 to look at the school. And Roland was telling me, he's like, well, you know, he's like, uh, you know, Matt Heisen's only like 140 pounds. And I was like, really? And he's like, right. yeah, you know, we trained him and he was going to be a manager. And then, you know, he could take bumps and everything. And I'm like, Okay, so I kind of thought about it for a while, and I actually had to go overseas, and I was in England for a while, and I was going to all wrestling shows I could find. Like, I went to a couple indie shows there, and then uh, I went to um, the one-night-only pay-per-view WWE ran there, and, you know, it was weird, because, like, we were Americans, like, there was only three of us, and we're at right. this British pay-per-view, and we were uh, we were booing the uh, the British Bulldog because we were like huge heels. <laughs> like we were like, let's get over his heels. But right, um, right. and I was reading newsletters and stuff like that at the time. I was trying to smart myself up to everything. And then when I got out of the Air Force, uh, I moved home to Pennsylvania for about a month or so. And then I drove 
cross country to California. And I said, okay, this is it. This is what I want to do. And uh, it was funny because when I went to the APW boot camp back then, um, there was probably about 35 to 40 guys as students. Oh, wow. like, oh my God. And you could tell how big wrestling was like in the late nineties, especially with the attitude era, like everybody was trying to get in because you had uh, WWE, ECW, uh, WCW, you had Japan, Mexico, and it was just, it was a huge deal back then. And um, it was, it was just a long, um, you know, you don't think about it now, but it's like, you know, 25 years ago or so. When, right. Uh, wrestling was really hot you know right what were the crowds like in england like compared to like an american indie indie crowd um they were they were pretty they were excited because they got to see like i went i went to a show where they had um rob van dam and sabu and mikey ripwreck came over there and they were all you know they were they were really getting into the wrestling um a lot like the American crowds where they just loved all the action and stuff like that. So um, it was kind of hard though, because like they didn't, they had, they did have their own indies, but it was, um, they were just, they were a little bit behind ours, mm. but they were starting to get more talent. Like I, I think it was probably the era when guys like Doug Williams had started. So right. um, they were, you know, like they were getting a little bit better with how they how they started working in that. As far as technical wise, because that you know Doug Williams when he would come to Hayward to like at uh, King of Indies, it's like his style. I remember watching them. I'm like, oh wow, this guy's this guy's awesome. Yeah, it was it was definitely he was he was ahead of his time, and I think that um, that was probably even before like Nigel McGinnis. So right, right. So moving to California, moving to the West Coast. Um, how was it like training and who were your main trainers and how was it like training? Was it what you expected? What were some of the shocks of going from fan to worker? Um, it was, it was basically physically, um, I was okay with it, but it was like taking bumps was like, really like, it was like, you basically had to sacrifice everything. I was like, okay. And it took me a little while, but like at the beginning, it was like, it was Mike Modest, Donovan Morgan, uh, Vinny Massaro, Frank Murdoch. Those were like the main trainers back then. And um, I mean, uh, you know, and it was it was kind of like you, you think about it and it's like, OK, I go through all the bumps and everything like that. And then later on, you're like, you don't think about it. So it was like I was getting I, you know, at the beginning, you're like, oh my God, I can't do this. It's so hard. And then after a while, when you start working matches, you're like, oh, this isn't so bad, you know? And you really don't feel it as much because you're actually, the crowd actually pumps you up a lot. Right. And you right, get that right. adrenaline flowing. So sometimes at practice, it was kind of like, man, I'm going to get, you know, like it was like doing squats or wall sits and stuff like that wasn't so bad. It was getting in the ring and it's like, man, I got to go take bumps. But after a while you get used to it and you're like oh, okay this is kind of like second nature now just don't right. think about it did you do you remember or did you take the uh, conditioning classes with uh, greg thurston i don't think i did i think i was a little bit uh passed out of that i was, <laughs> I was a little bit out of that by that time but i was yeah. doing mostly like semi-pro stuff like that but i was right. pretty much working out on my own anyhow so yeah yeah, and before we get into how how you how you got the gimmick for Seymour Snot and the Snot Brothers, APW was um, 
they did put a lot of effort into character development. They also had promo classes. I remember because I shot a couple. Of, I have a couple of your promo promos from promo Great. class. July 28th, the Snot Brothers are going to be facing the West Side Players, OG, Jimmy Rip, and Shane Dynasty's Big Max Justice. Well, you know what? The Snot Brothers have something in their corner. Not only will we have Betty Beefcake, but we're going to have the new monster of APW, our cousin, our brother from another mother, Deleep Snot. And he's going to crush all of you and take care of you like he should because you know what? We're sick and tired of being picked on. Jimmy Riff, you the crack daddy should know most about being picked on. Well, this time, those new teeth of yours are going to get knocked out permanently. And as for the West Side players, OGs, what does OG stand for? How about old garbage men? Because that's exactly what you guys look like wearing those jumpsuits. You look like a couple rejects from the mid-1980s WWF. So we'll see you guys in Vallejo with our big brother. And for once and for all, we're going to the top. How were you dealing with, with that side of aspect of wrestling, the promos and interview? Um, it wasn't too hard because like they kind of gave you a time and it was funny when they gave you a time, there was a big clock on the wall. So like I could actually see the second hand moving and I was like, okay, if I could just beat that second hand as it goes around and get in everything I have to say, I'll be good. So, you know, and it was trying right. to figure out ways of like, um, you know, just little swarmy things I could say. And it was hard because like I was a baby face mostly and I really wanted to come off as a nerd but it was also trying to come off very smart too you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i do remember that yeah and how how long from when you started training to to your debut match and how was your debut match it, it was funny um i think my real training started in january of 99 and then my first real match was like um was october but like i refereed a couple times and the first few times i was thrown in as a referee had a referee midget matches mm -hmm. and that really like a lot of guys at referee matches it's like you know you really learn how to work when you start working with people that you have to do spots with and you're like oh okay you know this is how it works but yeah. um i had a really good trainer with Vinny. um he he really did a lot in trying to get me like you know just not to go out there and get my ass kicked. He's like, you know, you got to have offense. You got to have offense and let's come up with some cool shit for you. And it's like, okay, you know, and I worked with him a lot on it and, um, you know, building up to my debut match. I mean, it felt great just after, after it was over. It was like, okay, I built, it went all the way to this point, you know? Right. Do you remember who your uh, debut match was against? Uh, it was against Vinny as Little Dick Grimes and Nathaniel Sweet as Sweetie Pie the Clown. Okay. So, and it was um, me and George C. Snot. So we, it was like, okay, George, um, he had a little bit more experience in that than I did. But um, it was like, okay, I know where I'm at. I know what I'm going to take and everything is going to be cool because I'm going to be in good hands. Is George C. Snot later became Scott Snot? Yes. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah. I think he still works to this day. I think he's still, uh, he's down in Southern California now. Right. I do remember he moved to Southern California. Um, so how did, how did the Snot Brothers uh, gimmick come about? Well, they were doing something in the school one day and um, 
they had like a bike helmet and um, Mike Modest was having people put it on. And I think like I put it on and, and I had a pair of glasses or something. And he says, that's it. He goes, that's your gimmick. You're going to be a nerd. And I'm sitting there mm-hmm. thinking, oh man, you know, all this to be a nerd. And I kind of <laughs> thought about it. I didn't really, I was like, okay, you know, and I, I, it really took me a while to take it off to like mm-hmm. figure out where I could go with it. Cause right. um, when I first started, when I came here to wrestle in North Carolina, I had, I still had the gimmick and I wanted to do something else. But then I thought about, you know, I can still be the nerd. I could just change things up a little bit and kind of right. add some things because no one else was doing it. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and what were some of the memorable matches uh, uh, or moments that you had as the Snop Brothers in all pro wrestling? I know you had a lot of feuds with the Ballard Brothers. Ballard Brothers were definitely up there. Um, I would say uh, some of the matches I had with uh, Boom Boom Kamini and uh, Super Destroyer became Bison Smith. Those were some good matches. Right. Um, probably the one match where I think it was like the Snot Brothers and Sean Patrick O'Doul against like John Cena, the prototype at that time, just to say, hey, I got my name in there with a future WWE superstar. Yeah. Um, matches against Great Kali. I mean, you know, just to work some of those names, him, Samoa Joe, um frankie kazarian you know just to get yourself out there and to work those names and be like yeah you know like okay (laughs) i've worked some names before and it's it's a trip not knowing where everyone's gonna go you know at that time you probably didn't know cena was gonna be as big as he was you know great Khali was gonna be you know signed it's it's just a trip like oh my god these are just guys that i work with you know what i mean Right, right. You just don't know how far they were going to get. And, you know, like when I moved here to North Carolina, I was like telling people, like, yeah, I had to work John Cena and, or the prototype. And they're like, oh, the guy in Ohio Valley. And I said, yeah, I go, oh, I think he's going to go a little bit past Ohio Valley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now talk, talk to us about other members of the Snot Brothers. You know, we have Betty Beefcake. You got Big Peter Snot. So tell us how it was, you know, adding to the family to the Snot Brothers name. It was a lot of fun, and I, I felt it added, like, an entertainment aspect to APW. Um, it was kind of like um, we were kind of like the less serious Dudley boys, you know, like we could go out there and uh, do funny shtick, and it was um, it was okay. I, I didn't mind it at all. I mean, um, I liked working with Big Peter. Uh, Betty was, you know, like, putting spots together with her was fun, so right. – um, it, it was a good experience um, just to get out there and kind of do the fun stuff, you know? Yeah. 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 For sure. And uh, any other memorable moments from, from your time at APW or favorite places to work? Uh, I would probably say um, when we did the shows in Vacaville or um, not Vacaville, Vallejo. In Vallejo, Mayor Island. Stuff. Yeah. And some of the King of Indy shows were fun to do. So um, yeah, it was, it was definitely good. Uh, it was good groundwork for, for your wrestling career. You know, you learned how to deal with different situations and the training was probably the best, you know, you could have. Right, 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 right. And now did you, when you moved over here, did you live in, in, in the gym? Cause a lot of guys would, would bunk in, in there. Yeah. I lived in the gym for two years. So, okay. um, you know, it was either, uh, cold in the winter time or hot in the summertime. So, right. um, it, it definitely uh, humbles you quite a bit. 
Yeah. And, and, and I would imagine that it also makes your, your relationship stronger with your, with, with the co-wrestlers, you know, cause you guys are living together. You guys see each other all the time. What were some of the ribs that you guys would pull each other? Cause I know Apollo, we had Apollo Khan Darnell on here. We had a Betty Beefcake and they talked a little bit about ribbing great Kali. So what are some of the ribs that you remember that took place? Oh, let me think. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a lot of water dumping on while you're taking a shower. That happened quite a bit. Uh, let's see. Um, like they would just come in, right, with like a bucket and like. Well, they dump it over the shower stall. So, uh-huh. you know, there was always stuff like that going on. Um, you know, there was always like uh, people banging on your door like really hard. And then there was things like, you know, you would like uh, kind of like. um you know, like when I lived with Bison, it was so funny because like um, we would go out and like, you know, like we'd get back to the gym and stuff like that. And like for some reason, he'd go in my room and sleep in my bed and I'd end up sleeping in his bed. And mm-hmm. and uh, I could remember one time, I think it was like at Christmas where there was a big room at the end of the hallway and the guy that was living there went home and he left his heater on and modest found it still on he was like oh my god he's gonna burn the gym down so like he turned it off and he threw it down and smashed it and um we're like oh well you know it wasn't us so like um i think like when the guy came back like um mike came home and me and bison were in our rooms and i remember like mike was you know, yelling at this guy, and we we're like in our rooms, like, man, I hope he doesn't come in here and see us. You know, <laughs> piss him off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, going going back to the gimmick and, and, and the glasses. Obviously, you're still you're still rocking this the, the gimmick. You, you know, you made the best out of the Seymour Snot character. But we right. did interview the Ballard brothers, and they they did a similar thing with the glasses. And I remember uh, one of the Ballard bro- bro- one of the one of the Ballard brothers. Uh, said that uh, Bubba Ray Dudley made a big deal out of that, out of them wearing the same kind of, did you ever have any kind of like, hey, you know, we do this or anything like that? No, there's never, I've never had any problems at all. I mean, uh, you know, I think after a while, the Dudleys kind of reached a new level so they could do whatever they want. It's like, right. and besides, you know, they're not, you know, like when they were original ecw characters and you know like they did their stuff and they went one step beyond you know and it's like mm-hmm. dude i'm a nerd i'm not a, a tough guy so mm-hmm. i a totally different gimmick yeah yeah now how did how did you feel like you guys uh did you guys feel like you guys got the respect that you deserved at apw being a tag team being having this nerd character or do you think that you guys could have had more of a push like a singles push more like in the championship uh, 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 radar? Um, I, I think we could have done something more to add, but, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, they were probably going in a different direction. And I kind of was like, um, you know, I like California, but I was starting to get homesick too. And I mm-hmm. think around that time, I was just like, you know, there's all this stuff going on. And it's like, I kind of want to do my own thing. And, um, I, you know, it was fine for what it was and, you know, like it just, um, I think it was time for a change and you got to do that every once in a while, you know? Right. And speaking of change in, in 2001, the 2001, 2000, 2002, there was a big change, you know, half 
if not more, less than half, around half of the roster left and split and started pro wrestling mm-hmm. iron. What was your stance or what was your point of view at that time? Cause you stayed with APW, I believe. Yeah, I actually, um, I was on my way out the door. That was when I was going to move to North Carolina. So, and I was pretty, um, I was pretty close with Mike and Donovan. So like, you know, I was like, I kind of got to follow these guys. I was a little bit more loyal to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, and since I was like gone from the picture, I didn't really get involved in any of the drama. So I was like, you know what? Um, I'm kind of doing my own thing right now, but I was right. pretty tight with Mike and Donovan. So I was like, you know, and uh, even Bison. So I was like, well, you know, I'll come back. And, you know, like they offered me a couple spots to work for them a few years later. And I was like, you know what? He goes, you, you guys invited me. Cool. So, and I really didn't have any like, he you know like i wasn't pissed off at apw or roland or anything like that i was like you know um they're doing their thing that's cool but i'm gonna do my own thing so right now from when you were uh when you left when you went back home around that time was uh scott's not story kind of the similar he i think he also went to la right after when that split was going on right yeah, he went to, I think he went down for XPW and that, and yes. that was cool, and I, I kept in touch with him. I actually, um, probably about seven years ago, got back in touch with him really good, and, you know, it was like, uh, it was good to talk to him and everything, and we're like, yeah, you know, how's this going and that going and stuff, so, um, but I didn't really communicate with him all that much, um, because, you know, like, this was like the early thousands and really nobody had social media up until like 2005 or 2006 so it was like there's a few years where everybody's out of the loop so right 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 and now tell us what happened after leaving apw said went to north carolina did you start finding another promotion out there like what 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 was up with seymour snot after apw well what happened was uh i went to uh i moved to raleigh north carolina and my sister lived down here so i was like um, I came down and I really didn't have any plans at the immediate moment. I was like, okay, I was still trying to find a job and everything. And, uh, I was here for about a week and there was a promotion running downtown Raleigh called Southern championship wrestling. And they had some, uh, they had like CW Anderson, uh, toad or frog from WCW was there, chili Willie. And occasionally like the Hardy boys would come by uh, Shane Helms so it was kind of like their old promotion before they all got signed mm-hmm. and so I ended up I took a videotape videotape <laughs> such a foreign concept now. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I got a whole bunch of here man and, and a couple <laughs> pictures and I just went down to the show and I said um, you know I, I met the promoter and I said you know hey my name's my you know told him my name and everything and and gave him all my information and then uh, this was like November of 2001. So like by January of 2002, I started working shows for him and the promoter was like, yeah, you know, he's like, I like the gimmick, you know, you got something different. Everybody else is doing the same thing. And I was like, okay, well, this is it. I'll just be different. So I kept the gimmick, but I changed it a little bit. So, um, since I wasn't in a tag team anymore, so I had to be more of a solo. So, uh, the checkered shorts came out and everything and the shirts with the sleeves got cut off. So I said, I got to just change it for me and start doing more comedy and uh, be a little bit more different than everyone else on the card. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you got, you got way more Jack than I remember you being at APW, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I worked out a little bit harder. I started uh, eating my chicken breast and uh, drinking my creatine more. So. <laughs> okay. And tell us uh, before COVID, what were you, uh, I see you post a lot of pictures. Uh, what promotion, what can you tell us about that promotion? Oh, well, the promotion originally I started with the Southern Championship Wrestling mm -hmm. and they kind of closed uh, in 2004. But what ended up happening was in uh, 2006, uh, we started running under the name of Gouge, which was gimmicks only underground grappling entertainment. And we wanted to do more of a comedy based wrestling promotion. So we kind of changed some things around a little bit and we were more inviting to gimmicks because on, at that era was also where a lot of guys were running wrestling shows and they were like, oh, you know, like we want to be like the NWA or WCW because they closed down. And it's like, it's kind of hard to do that because that was already done. So you kind of have to go in a different direction. Right. So, and, you know, like WWE went from World Wrestling Federation to World Wrestling Entertainment. So, you know, it's like you've got to follow that success. What were your goals in wrestling when you first signed up at APW versus where you are now? Like, how, how have your goals changed if they've changed? Um, well, when I first got into wrestling, I think my goals were always to be like to get to like a ECW or Japan and use that to go to like a WCW or WWF or WWE. Um, you know, and I think that's like everybody's goal is to get to, you know, the world wrestling entertainment or federation. You want to get up to that level because they're the, right. you know, they're number one. Um, the only thing I think that started changing was, you know, like over the last 19 years was like, and now 20 years, sorry, is that you've only got one player in town and it is really hard to get to that level. So, you know, I, I like wrestling. I have fun with it. Um, I don't hate it like a lot of people do, but I'm like, I'm cool with what I've done, you know? So I have no, uh, no qualms about what I've done and what I haven't done. You know, um, I'm very happy that, you know, like I'm not someone who, was seriously injured or anything like that so right. i just had fun with it and it's been you know a great part of my life right right what about outside of wrestling what kind of stuff do you i mean i see like in the background you have like a comic book thing are you into like comics are you into drawing or anything creative outside oh, of wrestling still, i i do some uh i try to draw as much as i can of course when you got a shoot job it's kind of hard um, mm -hmm. outside of wrestling, you know, I'm just trying to stay in shape and that, um, you know, I spend time watching my nephew. He takes a lot of my time up. So, um, you know, so far it's, it's a good life. You know, I can't complain. Right. Right. Okay. And, uh, tell us some of, some of your favorite road stories. Um, I know in APW, you guys traveled a lot to little towns like Cloverdale and King city. Has there been any, any funny moments, any crazy moments that have happened in the road story? Um, there's been a few trips, um, you know, mostly like, uh, I would say like when we did the King city shows, because they were so late at night, you know, like we're yeah. like, Oh, we don't have to be there till like six o'clock. And then you're like coming home at like four in the morning. Um, you know, uh, some of the, you know, and it was at a time too, when guys did not out, not everybody had a cell phone. So like, or a smartphone. So it was like, you're either sitting in the car talking or you're, um, 
you know, just trying to stay awake because it's like, you know, you've got a three and a half hour drive sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. but um, some of the funny stuff, I think, you know, like driving, especially in the south, you know, like, um, you know, you see a lot of weird stuff on the side of the road. You know, we've gotten lost in Virginia and you see someone on the side of the road and, you know, it's like 12 o'clock in the afternoon and they're already like half baked. So, um, mm. you know, and. It, it's like you get to see parts of the country you know like i think one of my favorite shows i worked was um i did a mark curtis show i did the last mark curtis show and uh it was like it was so weird because it was like um we drove all the way to like tennessee and like um you know like i'm like wow you know there's like nothing out here you know there's like mountains and stuff and and um it was so weird seeing like mick foley come to the show and work in the clothes that he drove to the shows in, and then leave in the same clothes. It's like, <laughs> uh, dude, are you taking a shower or anything? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but like some of the shows, like we went up to like, like uh, we did a couple uh, shows up in Pittsburgh, uh, the Deaf WrestleFest shows for Lord Zoltan. And um, one of them was, the last show that jj dylan actually wrestled a match on and mm. i think me and him were the only two guys in the dressing room that actually brushed our teeth before we went out so i was like <laughs> oh okay cool yeah so is that is that common is that just uh like common etiquette like uh, common sense etiquette or is that something that's actually taught like because i do remember um when frank murdoch was training people at, at uh pro wrestling iron he would mention about how important it is to you know get there showered he said I i'm gonna smell like you know like like your very first date almost you know so that is something that's taught yeah it's just you don't want to be the guy with the dirty knee pads you know and yeah. and uh you know like some of the shows i've been to you know it's like oh my god i go do you guys actually wash your gear you know and yeah. um you know it's it's a it's a tough thing to train people because you got to go from like you know it's like someone you know you can't be pig pen all the time so right right so going back a little bit uh to your apw days did you work um any other indies around at the time or were you kind of just exclusively working with apw you know i took a couple bookings um we uh boom boom Kamini and boyce legrand uh we went to a couple shows in um oh what is it fresno and I had to work as the referee and I had a referee every match for two shows. And, um, and uh, the main event, the big star they brought in was the iron sheet. So like mm -hmm. I had a referee, the iron sheet. And I'm mm -hmm. like, wow. And I'm like telling people, it's like, wow, I actually work with the iron sheet, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. So it's like, you know, I can say that, you know, and I remember like, you know, he had boom, boom in the camel clutch. And he's like, you know, the fuck out of the way because they wanted to take a picture and i'm like all right you know i had to carry his gimmick clubs to the ring so yeah. um he was a very different individual <laughs> i bet <laughs> um what has been uh can you tell us a instance or story of when a promoter was a being shady or not wanting to pay you or the funniest reason of why not getting paid you don't have to say names if you don't want to oh i can say the name um we had a promoter in 
I think it was High Point. Um, his name was Wayne Wilson, and he was always running these shows, and guys were always talking about him shorting people, you know, like on their pay. And I remember, like, uh, you know, he he want he was like, oh, I'll pay you, you know, fifty to come in, fifty bucks. And I'm like, I I was working at the time. I had a day job. I'm like, you know. Mm-hmm money's not going to matter you know i'm going to have money to get home and eat so um i remember the show as it was going on he was like packing up stuff to leave and i was like what the heck's going on here you know and um it was funny because uh baby doll and her daughter were there and you know like he was just getting ready to like i mean right before the main event was over he was pretty much ready to tear the ring down and get the heck out of there Right. And everybody was outside, like confronting him about their pay and stuff. And and I looked over at someone and I said, well, I go, I guess we're going to get some McDonald's coupons, maybe. <laughs> so <laughs> I just was like, you know, I go, I go, I'm not going to be one of those guys, you know. And so, um, you know, of course, like the next day, his Facebook page got deleted and everything got changed and people were slamming him and stuff like that. I just kind of had a chuckle about it. So <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that going on, man. Yeah. Um, what about a crazy fan interaction that you've had at a show? Um, well, this really didn't involve me, but I was in the dressing room when it happened. And uh, one guy I think was giving someone's kid real, uh, he was giving them hell. And um, so it was like, uh, you know, just he was just being a heel. And so later on, we're in the dressing room after the show was over and I'm getting dressed. And I remember someone's wife, she was the mother. She came in the back and she was yelling at the guy and she just like out of nowhere blurts like, you know, I'm going to shoot you and stuff like that. And everybody like got real quiet. They're like, mm-hmm. Oh, this isn't going to be good. So of course, you know, like someone called a cop and everyone's yelling and stuff. So then like a week later, I was on the show with the same guy and um, we, uh, <laughs> we paid someone to go to the dollar tree and buy like a bunch of toy guns and so when he, <laughs> when he was coming out for his match, he got up on the ring and he's standing there and like three or four fans stood up with toy guns and pointed it at him. And he was like, hey, man, that's not funny, man. <laughs> so like everyone's, you know, like everyone in the back was laughing and it was like, you know, for him, he was probably pissed off. But, yeah. you know, it was just one of those things that happened and you tell the wrong guy and they're going to take advantage of it and play a rib on you. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny uh what what have been some of the the bigger opportunities that you've had in in pro wrestling and it doesn't only have to be in wrestling like maybe wrestling opened the door or exposure for something else you wanted to do um you know it's been like usually on some shows like a couple years ago like they put me in the ring um a lot of guys were using me to like um because I lived in Raleigh and some of the shows I lived are like further out. So a lot of times, like I was driving names and stuff like that. Like I drove uh, Ken Anderson and I drove Tommy dreamer and stuff. And it was good to listen to these guys and get their views on stuff like that. 
and you know tommy dreamer just out of like i mean 100 percent gentleman you know he was really cool you know and you know it was you know like i remember it was funny because like we were going to the show and i didn't say anything and he goes he says well he goes uh he goes you passed the neck pillow test i didn't fall asleep on you so Mm -hmm. uh congratulations we're both married now and i'm like oh great (laughs) and so and so like um it was also like some of the shows like especially for as long as i've been working like a lot of promoters would put me in with the names you know like i worked a lot i worked a very young scott dawson he was just starting out and you know it's like oh yeah you know i know know him you know like i wrestled him like back in 2006 you know (laughs) so um but it was like it's a huge deal like when a promoter puts you in there with a name because they're expecting you to have you know the names definitely expect you to rise up to a level you know and it was like you know just to tell people it's like yeah you know i've worked like barbarian it's like that's kind of cool you know right and how how were they like how were their attitudes uh working with you know considered an indie guy or how, how did you perceive these guys like oh shit i'm working a name um like for example like caprice coleman i've known him very well from ring of honor and he's always been really a class act to me um barbarian 100 percent pro um he'll he'll tell you everything and he'll he'll make it as easy as possible and you go in there and it's like okay i'm with this guy that's like twice my size right, right i know what to do i'll just go out there and make them look like a million bucks so yeah um it, it's really some of those guys and i'm i'm really good friends with um one of the duck brothers otto schwanz he was bowed up in ecw and wrestling with him and and knowing him has just been uh an absolute pleasure he you know like uh actually brian kendrick put me over with him really well because we did some shows at apw and mm-hmm. and they talked you know regularly and he's like oh yeah he goes spanky told me about you and he put you over really good and i'm like oh, okay cool i'm nice. in with this guy you know so um yeah. it's just an honor and a pleasure you know yeah what were what were the biggest differences between working and training in the west coast versus east coast um I think with with the West Coast, it was like, especially in the late 90s, um, you know, when you had a school set up, especially where the APW school was, it was in a warehouse. And um, everybody at that time, especially in the late 90s, was trying to be signed. So guys were like, you know, it was like they were either at the, they were either at the gym, they were tanning, they were um, at the school. Right. And when I moved down to North Carolina, it was right around the time WWE bought out WCW and ECW and things were a little bit different. And the wrestling schools were kind of more in like barns and that's not putting anyone down or anything Mm -hmm. at all, but it was just like, you know, you've got to have a place to put a ring and, you know, cities, you know, (laughs) rent in cities is expensive. So People found the best places possible to put a ring, you know, Um, you know, and and I used a lot of the training methods that I learned at APW, like when I started training guys. So um, I think it was a good foundation for what I had to start, you know. Okay. And tell tell us about uh, the uh, started training. How did you make Um, the transition to a trainer? and how, How do you feel now being a trainer? 
Um, it's, it's pretty confident. Like I trained, uh, Timmy Lou Retton and he was just a kid. He was real hungry about getting into wrestling and he showed a lot of desires. So I just started him off on the basics, you know, like, okay, here's how you do a forward roll. <laughs> here's how you do a lockup. And then after that, we built on everything. And, and, um, you know, I was very proud of him. He made it to the super eight twice. So, and he's had appearances in NXT. So he's doing really good for himself. And um, he's been doing the uh, AML shows in North Carolina and stuff. And he's been getting around too on the indie scene himself. So I was very proud of him. So I, I think maybe the next step for me as a trainer is just to have a regular school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds great, man. Passing, passing all that great knowledge that you have, you know especially the style the west coast style i think was very very uh, uh solid foundation like guys like modest and, and uh, you know guys like that i think they've really changed the game when it came to training like uh, rick thompson changed yes. the game of the the way that they trained in the bay area back then it was mainly like here let me give you 50 snapmares let me beat the shit out of you let me see if you come back that was more of the old school style but i think yeah. rick thompson that was the first one to actually introduce a manual of how of how yes. to do wrestling and, and definitely uh amateur wrestling was a big big de big deal did you know amateur wrestling before going in apw or did you I, learn just what rick and modest taught i i wrestled like a couple years in high school and that was about it but my my thing was like when i wrestled in high school i was thinking like oh this is like wwf you know and i was like you know and and people were like my wrestling coach was like no it's real sports and i was like oh you know i want to want to do this stuff on tv that's what i want to do yeah yeah i think that all of us in high school had the same thing i'm going to get into wrestling wait this is boring what the hell is this <laughs> let's go outside and, and wrestle on the mats you know we'll do a swanton dives yeah. um what what have been some of uh have you had in in the embarrassing moments in the ring or at a show um, nothing's really been too embarrassing. I think I've always turned everything into like a, uh, positive, you know, like sometimes you have like your opponent, he's kind of like slow on the uptake or, you know, and you're just kind of like having to make someone that doesn't look that well, look better. And, you know, like sometimes people have always say, it's just like, you know, you kind of oversell and I go, well, I have to like compensate, you know, but <laughs> I think overselling is better than underselling, but, um, right. No, I don't really, I don't really think I've had too many embarrassing moments. So. Okay. What about the weirdest venue you've ever worked in or the weirdest uh, dressing room? I've heard people dress inside abandoned, uh, 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 school buses and stuff like that. What was it been the weirdest in your case? Uh, we did, uh, we did a couple shows at a club called Ruby Deluxe and, uh, we were changing in, uh, the dressing room, which was used by drag queens, which was kind of funny, but it was not bad because there were a lot of mirrors there. So that kind of helped out a lot. So right, right. that was, uh, that was okay. It wasn't too bad. And, you know, like, um, most of the time, you know, like in dressing rooms, you guys don't have any mirrors, you know, like the high, mm -hmm. some uh bars or you know like we've done bar shows where you're basically dressing out in your car so mm -hmm. and then you're having to wrestle like in the ring but there's like dirt everywhere so you know you you have to like basically it's like can someone lay a mat down so we don't get the ring all dirty so yeah. um the city of raleigh shows were fun that we did for fourth of july they were really cool because you had like a huge crowd watching you 
the only down part was you had to walk like four or five blocks to get to the ring and you were changing like in some huge uh like in the civic center and then you had to walk this way and then you know like you know sometimes it was really hot and sometimes it poured rain on you so your gear was pretty rough right and all these years that, that you've been working what what are some of the things that you found disappointing about wrestling um i think like the disappointing part is i don't think too many guys study the business they don't mm -hmm. you know they don't have a good history of it they kind of think wrestling started like in 1998 you know and it was always mm -hmm. wwe and they don't know the history or like how it actually started or the territories or anything and you know like i've been to cauliflower alley a few times and i kind of um you know there's a lot of respect there and you get for the old timers the guys that were before you and it was always great to get like a thumbs up from guys like kevin sullivan because they like how you work and they think you've got a good character and stuff like that so that's a lot of respect that you get but for some of the guys that it's like you know it's like dude it's like wrestling's been around and you really need to study on it and really just check it out there's more to it than wwe you know like some guys are always watching the pay-per-views and it's like you know the as much as the i didn't like the network going to peacock and everything but you've got so many years of pro wrestling on that application and it's like yeah. dude like you can you can learn so much and, and YouTube, but it's like, just study the business, you know? Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I only kept the network for that purpose to see these old matches, you know? And, and I, I, I found myself discovering guys that I, I've seen when I was a kid, but I didn't really pay attention to their work rate, mm -hmm. you know, like, like the heavenly bodies. I, I, I right. became a huge fan of them now as an adult, because you're watching them like, damn, these guys were ahead of their time, you know? Um, what are your, your future plans and, and, and where are you now in the business? Um, I'm at a good point where I think I'm ready to do like a few more years and then, um, you know, maybe hang it up and then maybe just go to training and promoting shows, you know? So um, I've always liked wrestling. I've loved it for, since I was like 11 years old. So um, it's been a part of my life. I mean, you can't really say like I've gone to wrestling school and done shows and just like completely bury that, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's a hard thing to do, you know, and it's really hard to get rid of that, you know, and I love the whole, um, you know, like the whole thing of pro wrestling has always been this form of entertainment and art, which I think it is, you know, it's, it's like a comic book come to life. Right, right. And uh, you mentioned Cauliflower Alley Club. Do you have any stories from any more stories from Caulifla Cauliflower Alley Club? Uh, let's see. I didn't have to pay for a picture with Mil Mascara. So oh, wow. That's a big I, that's a big deal, man. I, I got away with a selfie with him. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's I would say like, um, you know, probably just the only thing I would say to people that go to Cauliflower Alley is like, go there have fun but get out and see vegas because it's like some people go there and they just stay in the hotel the whole time and they're it's mm. cool but go out and try and explore the city because it's like 
you know, there's a lot of fun you can have out there. And I looked at CAC as like a vacation anyhow. So I'm like, you know, I'm out here, I'm going to have fun, you know, I'm going to uh, bullshit with the boys, maybe hear some good stories, you know, and, and just see where things go from here. You know, I'm out here to relax and have fun. Right, right. No, that sounds awesome, man. It was always great watching you guys wrestle at APW. And uh, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to, to be on Indie Handshake today. Uh, give us your links. Where can people find more information? Put yourself over. Um, you can find me. I have my fan page, which is Seymour Snot, and that's with two T's. I'm on Twitter at Seymour Snot. And I'm also on Instagram as Super Snot One. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on social media so my pictures are always going up and hopefully i can find more matches that i've had um i definitely recommend them so just have fun and be entertained sounds great and thank you again once again seymour snot and thank you for watching indie handshake we'll see you next time all right